a seat. Welcome to Portico this morning. If, we didn't get, if you weren't welcomed on the way in, I know a few of you were late. You were watching hockey. I know that. We were watching it on the big screen here. If you didn't hear earlier, we won. So we're, uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, that puts us close to, uh, close to the top after a great couple of weeks after the Olympics. Before, we're going to receive an offering in, in just a moment. But if you have your bulletin, if you have your bulletin with you, um, inside of there is a connect card. And I know some of you, well, some of you were able to do this for us back in, in January, but sometimes you change your email, you have a new phone number. We l- would love for, to be able to get in touch with you from time to time, whether it's for uh, emails out for special events that are happening or if there's a, a change in, in, in a- anything. So if you think that we may not have the most up-to-date information on you, if you wouldn't mind just filling out uh, some information on that Connect card, and you can put it into the offering bin or you can give it to the information center at the end of the service, that'd be really helpful for us as well, for you to make sure that you're getting all the information that you need. So with that, I'm going to invite the guys to come forward and we're going to receive our, our offering this morning, and we thank you for your regular uh, ties and offerings and faithfulness in that. A couple other quick announcements. On March the 23rd, we're having a water baptism service. We've been going through this new this series on uh, accepting our new humanity in Christ, and if you've never been baptized before, it's something that the Bible instructs us to do, something that Christ did, and if you've not been baptized, doesn't matter how old you are, uh, we would love to meet with you and, and find out. It doesn't matter how old and, or how young you are. I think last time we had a range of like teenager to not teenager. Let, let's just, let's just uh, say it that way. But um, all kinds of opportunities and people uh, at all ages get baptized. So if you've not had that experience yet, we'd love to meet with you and make sure that you have that opportunity uh, to do so. Other than that, the only other reminder that's coming up, we had our first ever new community service on Tuesday nights. All of our campuses and, and venues met together for an awesome time of worship and, uh, and prayer. And that's the first Tuesday of every month. And we cancel all our other midweek programs that, that night. So you mark that on your calendar. It's coming up first Tuesday in March. It was an amazing night. We spent about an hour and a half and uh, just really had a chance to worship and pray and didn't have the time constraints that we do on Sunday morning. So mark that off. Uh, there was, there was, it, it's a service for kids, teens, adults, everybody. It's a great, great opportunity to be together. So that's the first Tuesday in, in March. On the screen behind me, anybody watch The Biggest Loser? Is there anybody? Come on. Oh, the, we got, yeah, all right. We got a few people will, willing to admit. The Biggest Loser. This is the recent, most recent winner of The Biggest Loser. Most of you are probably familiar with the show. There are people who are um, not skinny that get onto the show and they go to a, they, they go to a ranch and they they exercise and they learn proper eating habits and by the end of the show they've lost a significant amount of weight and if they if they do well with social relationships and they do well working out for their team then they stay on this ranch longer and longer and there's a winner that loses the most weight but at the end of the show they get back together and they reveal what they've done at home because time has passed since they've been filming the episode and then to when they get back. And this is our most recent winner. Her name is Rachel Fredrickson. When Rachel started at the Biggest Loser Ranch, she was 260 pounds. And by the end of the show, by the end of the show that everyone was was watching, she was down to 155 pounds or uh, between 150 and 155 pounds. And by the time that she got back for the back for the reunion show, she had lost a total of 155 pounds. She was down to 105 pounds 
below a healthy weight that the, that the U.S. guidelines would have said for her height and uh, body image. This is a girl who had experienced a complete and different transformation in life. And there's a video here that uh, was taken of her right after her, right after she had just revealed how much she had watched. And uh, all the trainers that were there, they were in complete shock and their jaws dropped. And they're like, wow, I can't believe what's happened to this girl. And let's watch what her, her words were after she had just finished that. With one step, watching the finale last season and saying, I need to make the change. So one step makes all the difference. Just one decision. So just take that step. And then keep going. You've got it. You totally have it. She felt like when she decided she wanted to make this change, she felt, I can do this. I've got the power to do this. Who knows if uh, she's at a healthy weight now or not. Who knows where her journey will end. It's not over yet for sure. It's a, it's a life. It's a new lifestyle she's trying to learn. But if you could experience complete transformation like that, if you could experience that something you've lived with all your life and you could completely change what would it be? What would, you, what would you take on? What kind of new life would you, would you bring on for yourself? There, there, there was a girl I read in this, uh, I, I, was, I was reading this week about transformation. There's a girl, her name is Blondie Bennett. She's 38, lives in California. Anybody catch this story, the Barbie story? Blondie spent $40,000 transforming herself into Barbie. She felt like the transformation she wanted is she wanted to do everything she could to be just like the Mattel Barbie doll. She had multiple plastic surgeries. She went through weekly hypnosis to make herself stupider. As these are the words she said, she was going through weekly hip- hypnosis sessions so that she would have less intelligence. She said, I think what I would really like to be is like the Barbie doll that all the girls grew up with playing with. I think that's really what I want to be like. And she says, people can judge me if they want. And I'm assuming they will judge her, but that's what the transformation that she wanted to have. Some of us, we would, we would just want to be able to sing all our life. Maybe we'd think if I could just sing, you're like one of those kitchen singers or the shower singers, you know, you belt it out, but the minute that anyone else is around, you clam up, you just, you just wish that you could be able to sing. I know, I know there's some people in the room, you think, if I could just have hair, I lost my hair, I'm not going to look around at anyone at all, <laughs> but you, some, some of the guys, by the time they hit 17, the hair starts going away, and you think, oh man, if I could, I could just somehow have hair. You've tried like the rubs and things like that, or the, or the, the little hats that got, go on, and you just, you can't have the hair. For, for some people, it's athletic ability you want. For me, I would love to be able, I don't know how people do this, but they put a nail in a piece of wood, and they go, bang, bang, and it's in, and it's straight, and they've hit it twice. I'm, I'm one of those guys that, like, I line it up, I'm using all my might, it's like, one, two, three, four, five, oh, I gotta pull it out, one, two, three, and then it's all crooked. I have no ability when it comes to fixing. I'm really good at holding the flashlight. I can hold things in place. I will, I will help people, but you don't want me fixing anything for you. Just trust me on that. There are parts of all of us that we would like to see change, and truthfully, very few of us will ever be able to see the mass change that we ever really want. And if we do, it's going to take extreme self-discipline. It's going to take focus that, that if we want to bring on change for ourselves, we're going to have to be like Rachel and, and, and decide to invest maybe way too much and maybe even risk going over the top if we want to see personal change happen in our lives. I always say this, that a person never changes until the pain of staying the same 
outweighs the experience that we'll have in changing, the pain of changing. And we're starting a new series today, and we're calling it Illuminate. And we're still in in the book of Ephesians, but we're looking out at at how we live this new life. We've just taken the last five weeks, and we've understood that the life that Christ offers, the new humanity that Christ offers, it's a gift. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't have to do anything to bring it on. It just happens. It's the only major life transformation that you get without having to, to diet, to train, to do anything. It's just given to you. We get to experience it. And like the light turns on and we're allowed to live in this new humanity. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, and see what Paul says about actually living out this new life and how we go about experiencing that. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. That's what it says. So I tell you this, And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futility of thinking. That's a, that's a huge verse. If we know this, we can't live the same way. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity and they've given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this morning we want to start with a thought that darkness obscures the reality of your circumstances. On Wednesday night, I've been for the, for the last week I've been I've been sleeping in uh, the in our spare bedroom, not because I did anything wrong, but, but because in our house we've been dealing with a lot of sickness. I had about a week of it, and now Amanda's been dealing it for. Uh, uh, dealing with it for about the last week. So we've been sleeping in separate bedrooms because one of us has been coughing, keeping the other one up, and we've been spreading germs, and we're, try- we're, just, we're just trying to kill it. So we've been in two different bedrooms, and I actually, on Wednesday night, I was picking up Amanda's parents at the airport. They've been away. They were in Barbados, suffering on missions. They call it missions, but every January and February, they go to Barbados, and they, they host teams, and they go into schools, and they miss this. <laughs> and so they say it's missions. I say whatever. But they... I was. I was picking them up at the airport, and their flight was delayed. It was late night. I got back to, I dropped them off at their home, which is about an hour from here, about midnight. So I get home, 1 o'clock, you know, you've been driving, so you're not completely tired. You do a little reading. I crawled into bed one thirty, quarter to 2. And Amanda hadn't heard me come in because she had been asleep. Great. So she walks into the spare bedroom about quarter after 2 because she hadn't heard me come in. She was just wanting to make sure that I was home. And she looks, and she, and she didn't see me, because I was kind of off on the side. And, and so she, she yells, Rick, and flicks on the light, at two, just really scared. She thought maybe I wasn't home, and she knew that I should be home, and she was terrified. So she flicks on the light. This is after I've been sick. I drove her parents home from the airport. It's 1.30 when I get into bed. So I've just fallen asleep, just getting to sleep. And she decides this is the time when she wants to come and check and flick on the light and yell if I'm home. So I fl- she flicks on the light, gets me all startled. You know, the adrenaline shot goes through your body. And I said, what? <laughs> she, 
I didn't see you there. I just want to make sure you were home. Flicks off the light and leaves and goes back to sleep. Now I'm fully awake again. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're waking me up. The logic that we have when it's dark is not often the best logic, is it? When you're in this darkened state, you do things that you normally wouldn't do. It's kind of, we're blinded from what the truth may be. And when you're walking through the house, you bang your knee into the chair that's not quite tucked in, or we, we have a place where we leave school bags and bags for the next morning, and oftentimes if I haven't turned on the light first thing, I'll stub my toe off of there because I don't think that there should be a bag there. Or have you ever been on, on holidays and you're in an unfamiliar city, and when you get there, you kind of look down a street, and it doesn't look like the safest street, like... I'm not going to target any cities. Hopefully nobody's from Buffalo or Detroit originally. But there are times when I go into a couple of those cities and like we, we've gone to baseball games or hockey games. And I remember the first time I met it, I went to a Buffalo Sabres hockey game. We were 20 years old and she, was, she went to school in the Niagara region. And we got there and we got around the arena. If you've ever been where the Buffalo hockey, has it, anybody been to a Sabres hockey? So you know what I'm talking about. Like you get there and you're looking and most streets you drive down, it's kind of nothing's happening and it's dark and you think, I don't think that's a safe street for me to go down. And there's cops everywhere and there's boarded up and you think, no, I'm, I'm just not going to go down there. Now, if you go in the daytime, you can see it's probably not as unsafe as you thought it may have been. But darkness clouds truth from us, doesn't it? And the same is very true for our faith lives. The same is very true for the way that we live out Christianity. When we exist in any kind of darkness, we're separate from Christ. And that's our, that's our blank there this morning, that, that living in darkness alienates us from God. Here's what Paul wrote to the Colossians in, uh, in chapter 1, verse 21. He said, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. And Paul starts to nail us down for our behavior in this chapter. In the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at it. Because the, the first three chapters were all theology and understanding the gift that's available to us. And Paul says this, if we know this, if we have accepted this newness, we better start to align our lifestyles. And specifically, this was written to a group of people who live without Christ, and they've just accepted him. They came out of a life that was not aligned with God, that was not in sync with God. And so now they were starting to take on this new humanity. In the room, how many of us came to faith as a teenager or later? You came to faith that you came. So you would know that you have a life, that you live one way, and then you started to live another way, this newness that you've brought on. And here's what Paul is reminding us, that we can't just keep doing the way the things the way that we once did them. Or for those or those of us who came to faith maybe as kids, we can't just live our lives the same way that other people live if we know that we have this new humanity. If we know that we're aligned with Christ, we can't just look around at people who aren't with Christ and say, this is the way that we can live our lives. Darkness and light have no part with each other. Do you remember the story of the Israelites? And you, we're going to study this in, in, our, in our small groups this week, in our, in our CLGs. But it's, but it's in Exodus chapter 32. And these were people, the Israelites were in Egypt. They get out of Egypt. And God, ha, God had done miracles. He had, they had seen him 
bring plagues onto the, onto the nation. They had seen his protection when other firstborn children in Egypt were dying. All of the Israelite children who had, who had done what God had asked them to do, their firstborn children were saved. And then Pharaoh let them go. And they're living in wilderness. And they said, and um, Moses had left. Moses had gone up in the mountain. He was meeting with God. This was the time that God was giving the Ten Commandments. He was establishing part of the law for all of, for all of Israel. And they started thinking, how can we worship God? And they looked around, or they thought about how other people had done it, and they said, that must be the way that we should worship God, the way that other people had done it. And they used darkness logic, and they tried to apply it to the new life, which would have been in light. So they built a golden calf. It's a great study. It's going to be in our CLGs this week. But here's, here's how Paul explains it. He says in Romans 1, 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. And probably the greatest temptation or the greatest struggle that will come across as Christ followers living in our world today is we look around at people that we work with or people that we just share life with and we think, I don't want to be different. (laughs) I I want to be different in my faith. I want to have this newness. I'm glad that I have this peace, but I don't want to stick out. I don't want to be the, this mark that everyone can say, yeah, but you're not that and you're different there. And why do we have to have our lives different? There are times when we're okay with it and times if we were just honest, we would say, I don't like being different all the time. And when this temptation comes, when we start to live in this darkness, what we do is we we indulge our sinful nature. And we have darkness logic that leads to conclusions like plastic surgery to become Barbie would be a good idea. (laughs) And we think, you know, this is what people will want. So I'll just spend $40,000 to have plastic surgery on myself. Or we say, you know what I really need is a giant 85-inch screen, 1080p TV. Do you know that you can spend $40,000 on an 85-inch screen TV? Some of you are now thinking, I've been saving and I can get this TV. If we would have that much money, hopefully we could find something else to do than get an 85-inch screen TV for $40,000. I even think self-indulgent behavior is kind of what ended up with how we got the Cronut Burger at the exhibition this last year. Did anybody have a Cronut Burger? <laughs> Do you know what a Cronut Burger is? It was, it was a mix of a donut and a croissant as a bun and then cheese, a cheese and bacon burger. They decided, there were people that were getting violently ill after eating the Cronut Burger <laughs> because it's a li- Colin is now thinking, Cronut Burger. Because <laughs> he can power back just about anything. <laughs> Self-indulgent is, is found in darkness. I think, I think uh, the selfie picture, you know, the, if you don't know what a selfie is, when you take the picture and, and you post it somewhere and you make like pouty lips if you want, or you, or you kind of have, the, you kinda have the, uh, the wise look going on or the, or the half smile with the hair behind the ear kind of thing. It's, we take a picture of ourselves and we think the world wants to see me somewhere looking like this. Just in case you forget what I look like, I'm going to take a picture of myself and post it everywhere on three or four different platforms so that others will see me. (laughs) We have a culture that is very self-indulgent, and the logic of the self-indulgence is based in darkness. And just because we've been made alive in the spirit 
doesn't mean that we're never going to face temptation to be self-indulgent again. We need to be aware of this. We accept Christ into our lives, and we know that we're being made new all the time. And every morning we can wake up and say, Lord, thank you that your spirit's in me. But we need to be aware that there is still this darkness that is all around us, that is in us, birthed because we're human beings. And just be aware that there are times when we're going to use darkness logic that, we, that we're trying to apply to our new life that's in light. In tax time, you consider, like, we, we think, you know what, I give a lot of money to the church. I don't need to report the little money that I earn on the side because, you know, I'm one of the good people. I'm one of the givers. I'm one of the, I'm one of the sacrifices. I don't need to maybe, I don't, I don't need to let the government know about all the money that I make. We indulge in selfishness. We indulge in sinful behavior. I have this thought that pops up every time I go to the self-scanners at the superstore. Just a little confession time here. So you buy, like, you're thinking, I want to be healthy. I want to do the right thing. So you buy the organic pepper. <laughs> and you get up to the line at the self-scan, and you have a red pepper sitting on there. And you think, that lady is way over there. There's no way she knows if that's an organic pepper or just one of the plain old peppers that's ready to have to pray. What code am I going to? So you, like, and, of course, the sticker's never on it, so you have to pump red pepper. And it's sitting there. And you think, am I going am, am to be honest? Am I going to use... The darkness logic says, it's just a pepper. It's not going to hurt anybody. They're never going to know. Logic of the light says, I do the right thing at all times to honor Christ because that's who I am. But we use darkness logic to think, you know, I could probably just, I really don't need to do that. It's not going to hurt anybody. Promise keepers. It's an entire ministry founded on the principle that Christian men are tempted and need support of their brothers and need the prayer of their brothers. We need to be aware that there is darkness logic in our lives and around us. Second Peter 2, verses 18 and 19. He's addressing a group of Christ followers who started to give into indulgences. And here's what he says. He says, For they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves, check out this, this language, they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. And it's the boy, again, we're going to study this in our sealed Jesus week. We don't have time to get into everything. But there's a boy who knew how good it was to live in the father's house. But he decided that it might be better living out the way of life that his friends did. So he leaves his father's house and says, I'm going to go live out the party that my friends are doing. And we're going to study that. But that's darkness logic of a life that could have been lived in light. Angelina Jolie, the scholar, she wrote this. She's not a scholar, <laughs> in case you don't know her. Here's, here's what she wrote. Anything that feels good couldn't possibly be bad. I'm not so sure that she's on to something there, but any time that we act on selfishness, we enter back into the darkness. And when we act selfishly for too long, we start to see troubles. Aristotle, he was a scholar. He, he was a philosopher. He thought a little differently than Angelina. Here's what, here's what Aristotle said. He says, The self-indulgent man craves for all pleasant things and is led by his appetite to choose these, to choose the pleasant things at the cost of everything else. 
In the book that we've been reading, A New Humanity by Luch Lombardi, here's, what, here's, here's how Luch sums it up. He says, in a similar way, Paul is reminding his readers what life was like before they met Christ and when they lived apart from God. This base and pathetic existence, he uses strong words here, is characterized in an insatiable appetite to satisfy the desires of the flesh. The appetite is insatiable because it is what is consumed only adds to the emptiness and creates a hardening of the heart that sends the individual deeper and darker into deeper and darker places to find satisfaction. We know this. When we start to act upon the things that make ourselves feel good, it just gets worse. And I think, how many relationships do we know of in our world, in our community, that are fractured because one partner thought it would be okay to indulge in something that would be out of selfishness as, as opposed to acting for their partner's greater, greater good. Financial lives that have been ruined because of habits and addictions that are out of control. Selfishness. We say we want to be free. And we say, you know what? I just, I just want to live life for myself. I want to choose for myself. And that usually ends up in heartache. It's spiritual darkness. It feels good now, but in the end it ends up bringing very dire consequences. I was, I was at Starbucks with our new youth pastor, his name's Daniel, and we were at Starbucks this past week, and uh, we were just talking with the baristas. He was making up the drinks, and he said, so what do you guys do? And he sa- we said, oh, we're both pastors at this church called Portico. And he looks at me, you're not pastors. <laughs> you guys aren't pastors. He goes, what's Philippians 4.13? <laughs> that was his actual test for us, and one of us knew, so we were okay. <laughs> But, but he says, but he said, um, he said, I used to go to church and my mom goes to church and it's really good for her. But, you know, I just want to live my life a little bit first. I can't, I might come back to church, but I really need to live life first and experience great things. And Daniel has the best life for me. He says, he goes, you know what? I tried that for a little bit and I have way more life living for Jesus than I've ever experienced living for myself. And that makes total sense to those of us in the light, right? Because <laughs> we're using light logic. And when we use darkness logic, we just can't see that. We walk around and we bump into things and we make snap judgments about shadows that we can't really see. And for some, for some people who hear this message, they think, that is so arrogant for you to say that, that you have a way better life than I have because you're living in light and you experience more fullness because you're living for Jesus than I do when I don't. Doesn't that sound arrogant? And I would say it could be, it could be that you've never just experienced the light because you've always been in the dark. Andrew, throw up that picture or I guess uh, Josh has got it. You see how there's something... Can you see something in the darkness there? What is that? A walnut? What else? What? A brain? A burger? Yeah, it's a cronut. <laughs> okay, throw the light on there, Josh. It's a pile of money. It's 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 a million dollars piled piled up. When you use darkness logic, when you can't see everything and you're saying, I know what that looks like. It did look kind of like a walnut. It did look kind of like, like a burger. It's a nice burger shape. And when you use darkness logic, you come to conclusions that are completely false. And you start to say, this will be good. I know what this is. I know what truth is. Cause, but you're in the darkness and you don't know. When light all of a sudden shines upon something, you see, that's a million dollars and I really want that, as opposed to the crumpled up walnut or the brain 
that we saw there. And that, and that leads to our second point, is that light reveals your true life's potential. There are probably not many of us here who have not been significantly influenced by the life of another Christ follower. Something about their life stood out as remarkable for one reason or another, and it, it inspired you to search for Christ on your own. When I was a teenager, I remember watching people who I knew were normal people, but I was going to church. I was going there because there were girls in sports at this youth program that I went. I'll just I'll be honest. I've said that before. That's, that's how I got introduced to church, girls in sports. And I went, and there were guys that were playing on this hockey league that I was playing with, and I knew they were normal people. But then I watched how they responded in church, and they got really excited when there was a time to worship. And when there was a prayer time, it was like they were actually talking to somebody. And they were really emotional about when they were hurt. It was like they could pray and they could feel better about things. And, and the way they treated each other was a lot differently than the way the rest of the guys in the hockey team treated each other. And I started seeing there's something different. And I don't know what it is. And my darkness logic said, I'm going to church because there's girls in sports here. And after a while, when light became new to me, I said, I'm going to church because there's newness and there's life. And there's, there's something that I've never experienced here before. It intrigued me to discover what it is. And it's the potential, the potential that we have for our lives is greater than that which we live today. When, when you enter something new, you bring all your preconceived notions to it. Have any of you been watching the Olympics and um, you've been watching sports where you know very little about it? but you think you can be a really good judge of, of, of those sports. Like every couple of years we watch figure skating and we, we are up there yelling and screaming because that was the right judge because we, we should have won the ice dancing, right? We all know this. Clearly, we all know we should have won the ice dancing. But we don't know maybe enough about it. Or we're watching the ski jumping and we think, oh man, our guy did like three spins and he landed. We should have won that. But we don't, we don't really know what they're looking for. And we, we, we say that the judging is crooked and it's an injustice. And, and we start to see only what we want to see. And we see the Canadians should have won rather than, hey, the Americans did a really great, great job. Or the, in, the, in the American one, we see, ah, oh, the American uh, or the, who is it, the Japanese girl got, got robbed and the Russian girl won. And there's a big outrage about that. And when you came to Christ, you had some assumptions as well. You probably assumed there was a big list of things that you weren't supposed to do anymore. There was going to be rules about language and money and relationships. And you figured that coming to Christ was going to be a serious limitation on what you would be allowed to do in your life going forward. In fact, as Christians, we're often viewed as narrow-minded, judgmental, unenlightened, old-fashioned because of all of our rules that we have in regard to sex and marriage and drinking and drugs and that's the conversation that I had with that barista at Starbucks. And here's the reality, is that light is not a restriction. It's a revelation onto a new life. Light isn't given to restrict us. It's given to reveal the life that's available to us. We're not guilted into missing out on the party style of life. <laughs> this is how the Jews first tried to obey God. They, just, they had to do all the right things and then God was going to be happy, right? And that's religion. And there's countless Christians who have had this inner battle with the preconceived notion that true faith is about abstaining from things that they wish that they could do. We talked about this in our group on Wednesday, right, Manir, that we were saying that 
that, that so many faith traditions come in and say, if, if we don't do the wrong things, then we're going to obey God, we're going to please God, and that's what life is like living in light. And that's the lens that colors a lot of how we view Christianity. Well, let me speak truth this morning, that living in light is all about freedom. It's not about restrictions. That's what Ephesians 1 to 3 was about. It's about a full life gifted to us by God for the purpose of eternity. And it's a relationship with him when we live in this light that makes us want to get rid of all the darkness. It should make us want to get rid of all the darkness. And here's how it starts. It starts when we choose differently. Verse 22 says, put off your old self. When you get into a human relationship, you want to choose differently, right? You want to, you want to start to act differently. You feel less pressure to impress other people. You stop flirting. If you were on an online site and you were looking for a relationship, when you get into one, you stop that. Or at least hopefully you stop those things. And if you don't stop those things, it may be a signal that you really don't want to be in that relationship. And it's not because you're not allowed. It's because you don't want to. It's because you want to invest everything into that new relationship to make it work. And you might not be sure if it's, if it's going to lead to perfection and marriage one day, but, but you choose differently right away because you want to make that relationship work. And if you're a Christ follower, right away we know that, we know that there needs to be something different. And over the next few weeks, the next three weeks actually, we're going to study about what Paul says specifically about our conduct, our sexuality, and our hope, and how it should all look different now that we're living in light. But we need to be aware of this sinful nature that is resident in us. Romans thirteen twelve. here's what Paul said to the Roman church. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. He's saying Christ is coming back one day. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of life. Paul says right away, you step into this new humanity, understand that you're going to need to choose differently. And after a while, when you choose differently, you start to think differently. Verse 23, he continues, be made new in the attitude of your mind. In Romans 12, he says, he says much the same thing. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Those words made new and transformed are the Greek words from which we get the English word metamorphosis. Caterpillar into a butterfly, tadpole into frog. It's the concept that you will experience life in a new way, and others will experience you differently. Last, last summer, Hope went to her grandparents' house for a weekend, and when we got back, or when she came back, she had a little margarine tub, and in it were six tadpoles that we were now to take care of. We had, we had six new residents at the Carroll House. <laughs> Great. We've got tadpoles in this margarine tub. So, so Hope, did, Hope thought that that wasn't quite enough space for these tadpoles because she wanted to watch them transform into frogs. And she did some reading on the internet, God bless her. And she, she said that they needed a good habitat. So we got one of the big tubs and we put mud and, and grass and all kinds of junk in there. And every morning we would go out and look at the tadpoles for like a period of three weeks. And she took pictures of them and she, she had this whole thing going. And she was just blown away by how the little legs started appearing out of these tadpoles. And, and she, was, she was mortified one morning because there were only five of them. And this had been a time after there had been 
they had, they had legs, and they were starting to crawl up the side of this little habitat that she had, that she had built. She's like, Dad, one of the tadpoles is dead. But no, one of the tadpoles had gone down to the creek because she didn't, didn't want to live in our little box that heated up to probably 30 degrees every day, and the, the little Jack Russell came and terrorized every five minutes when he was outside. But the, the, it's this new, the tadpole, we see it in front of our eyes. It experiences life different. It looks different. It doesn't do the same things. It doesn't act the same way. It's metamorphosis. Paul says that's what happens when we start to think differently, when we allow light to come in and we put aside darkness logic. And eventually it, it leads to a life that's lived differently. In verse 24, he says, so put on the new self. In Titus it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives lived in this present age. So Paul paints this beautiful picture of the before and the after. But the reality is we end up living our lives a lot of times in the gray, in the middle, using some of this darkness logic to say, I still, it's going to be okay for me to do this. It's going to be okay for me to live this way. And as we start this series for the next three weeks, I want to present an invitation just to say, could we all say, Lord, there are areas of my life that I'm using the logic of darkness, that I'm using, that I'm still living in darkness a little bit, even though I have life. There are parts of me that are still prone to self-indulgence, that are still prone to not living for you. And what I really want is you. We're going to go to a moment of communion in in a few moments, but I'm going to ask the worship team to come up first. And here's, they're going to sing a song that says, make me new. And before we go to communion and we, and we receive that and we receive the, the, the bread and the juice, that is the life of Christ. I wonder if we could respond this morning and just say, Lord, there is darkness in me. Lord, would you make me new? Because I know every day I want to get up and I want to live for you in light. I want to live differently.